This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hey moms, we are here at episode eight of The Real Mom Podcast. Today I talk to Micah Beggs, who is a foster mom, a new foster mom, about the realities of foster care at the beginning. The shock, the transition, what makes it easier. We talk finding online community and loving mom. This is a great conversation for anyone who is new to foster care, thinking about getting involved, or those of us who could just use the reminder of why and how at the beginning. So enjoy this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. Today I'm talking to Micah Beggs. I know Micah through Instagram, and she is a foster mom. The first, I believe, sort of just regular old foster mom I've had on the show. She's new to foster care, and so I'm excited for everyone to hear from her today about the ins and outs of being a new foster family. Hi, Micah. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good. Thanks for talking with me today. Well, thank you. I think I kind of stalked you out with your podcast because I was so excited about what it's about and, and all that stuff. So thank you for having me. Yeah, I loved your message. It was, it sold me. You were like, I already have my ideas for the last question. <laughs> hey, I, can't help it. I have mine too. And I'm like, man, I need to find someone who can like interview me sometimes. I totally thought about that. I did, but I was like, I don't think I should be the one to, to interview you, but you definitely should find someone. Absolutely. <laughs> I really, I don't even care that much about sharing my opinions on foster care and adoption. I really just want to be able to talk about like what I'm eating and reading. And (laughs) (laughs) those are great questions, by the way. I can't wait to get to that. Oh, good. Okay. So we always start off. Tell me about your family. Okay. So my husband and I've been married for 10 years and he actually has two boys before me. So they're in their early twenties and the oldest one actually just had a baby girl. So I'm technically like a young step-grandmother. Oh my word. (laughs) Yes, I know. I know. So, and then we have three boys together, 11, four, and two. Um, So we are, people think we were absolutely nuts when we told them that we were going to become a foster family. I think everybody thought that we were just insane. Well, yeah, five boys. I knew that you had boys. Five. Mm -hmm. That's intense. Okay. So you are a new foster parent, newish. Let's talk first about just why you got involved in foster care. Well, and this is one of those things where I do enjoy talking about that part because the woman that I had spoken to about becoming a foster family practically fell into my office at work and we just started talking and she said something, you're going to love this. She said something to me that we've all talked about. We were talking about foster care and I don't remember if I thought this or if I've physically said it, but I was like, I could never do that. I'd get too attached. That's the golden thing that every oh, foster yeah. mom cringes. We all hear. heard that one. And she said, you know, you're right, but they don't choose to be in foster care. I can handle the heartbreak if I can just show them some love. And that has stuck with me. And that was one of those turning points that instantly changed my outlook. I mean, it was in the matter of seconds that I was like, oh my gosh, we could totally do this. You know, they're needed. You see the signs on the road, foster families needed, call this number. And I come home and spoke to my husband about it. And of course, you know, my husband's like, no, 
Yeah. Like next day, I'm like, husband. oh yeah. So the next day I was like, babe, I really want to talk about this some more, you know? And he's like, okay. So, I mean, we talked about it. We talked about it. And then like, before we knew it, we were in the classes before we knew it, we had our home study. And then all of a sudden we were approved and it just was, it was such a whirlwind of emotions and information. I think I followed every foster family I could find on Instagram. Like I read every blog that I could just trying to pull all the experiences to figure out like what we were really getting ourselves into. Yeah. I, you know, the internet sucks. Let's be real. Social (laughs) media sucks, but what is such a blessing with it is when you feel alone in something in your small community, and there might not be the source of information that you're looking for. That is where the internet wins the award because absolutely 100%. You can just in some way surround yourself with people that you can watch, that you can learn from, you can hear how they process through things. I think for all the bad parts of social media, anytime you have something in your life, like I've had, I've had a friend say this about her kid has allergies or whatever it is about you that's unique that's where the internet steps in and wins like okay we can have this like virtual community where we learn from each other and grow um and that's why I love blogs and Instagram and all that for foster care and adoption oh yeah absolutely and that's one of those things where with foster care you can read as much as you want. You can talk to other foster parents. Um, you can even talk to other foster children and you can gather all the information, but how you are going to respond to those situations and how your family is going to react and flourish or kind of have to take a, take a back burner to some, you know, things to become a foster family. You don't realize that until you're in it. I mean, until you have said yes, and that child walks through your door, you don't, you don't know how you're going to handle it. Yeah. What were the things for you that were most shocking? I think that even when you would read on, you know, on Instagram, people say, you know, this is the honest to God's truth about foster care. We're just being hundred percent real, you know, the good and the bad. It almost still kind of, I don't even know what word I'm trying to use. It makes it kind of glamorous. Does that make sense? Totally. You know, it's a very, it always takes like a positive spin on it, which is really good because to me, I will take that. And I'm like, okay, even though I'm like in the trenches right now, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one struggling, having, you know, four children in our house and trying to raise four children. And so I guess that's where I would go back to Instagram to kind of get that positive feedback mm. and, and outlook. But I think with foster care, I don't think I was prepared for the doctor's visits, the CASA workers coming in and out of the house, the case workers coming in and out of the house, the, just the, the daily ins and outs. And I just had a baby that had absolutely no trauma, no visible trauma at all. He was like, he was more laid back in our home than my own kids were. So I don't even feel like I really had a fair first shot. Like, I think he was kind of a unicorn, really, because <laughs> we were so lucky with him just because he was so laid back. So I think that's why I'm kind of scared this time around, because <laughs> I feel like we were totally, you know, we had the unicorn. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I back to what you're saying about people being in and out of your home. I always say that I knew that foster care was just like the ultimate form of hospitality. You're inviting a child into your home and life to live with you and be part of who you are. But I didn't realize that I was inviting the state into my home and lawyers and workers and nurses. And that was a shock to me. I knew that a worker would come sometimes, but I didn't realize that sometimes might be there was a time when things were really nuts in my home where it was 13 times a week for months that I would have different visits and people in my home. That is an invasion of your lifestyle that you just cannot be prepared for. Well, I bet your house was cleaner then than it probably is now (laughs) because I tell you what, you always can tell, like my kids can always tell when it came workers coming into our home because I'm cleaning like a mad woman. (laughs) Well, yeah. When they're in your home all the time, you just kind of maintain this like baseline and it is really helpful. That's funny. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I think back to the sort of glossing over, I always feel like this sort of responsibility as someone who opens up my life as a window into foster care Mm -hmm. to be real, but then to also wrap things up with a message. And it's hard because you want to be real. Sometimes you're in the place where it's just hard and you don't have the answer. But other times I think when you have a bunch of people following you, you have a little bit of a responsibility to process through things before you post. You can't just post right in the middle of this sucks. It needs like a little bit of a, you know what? It sucks. Happy endings. Right. Here's where I've gotten to in the past few hours of, well, even though it sucks, it's worth it. Or, well, even though it sucks, here's the this thing that I'm grateful for. So that is the reality, I think, on social media. Even when people are being open, they're usually being open after the fact. Right. <laughs> and not right. like right in the middle of, I am in bed in the fetal position, hating foster care. Unless you use Instagram stories a lot. And then well, that can true. be a little bit more love. <laughs> that is true. Right. Okay, so so part of your shock was just all the people in your home. What else was shocking to you? You know, and I'm, I actually just thought about this. I'm glad you asked. I was really shocked about how emotional I would feel for the biological mm. mother. Um, I don't want to tell too much of the case because I'm sure, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get in trouble for sharing too much, but just with our particular case, I mean, he was a baby. We did get him straight out of the hospital. So when they were having visits, number one, I was not prepared for the first visit. He was just, just a few days old and I took him to the first visit and that overwhelming emotion of, you know what, just kidding. I just want my baby back. Just give him back to me and we're just going to go home. And then I had to remind myself, like, he's not yours. You have that say over him. And then meeting his mother and just having that almost kind of connection with her that they're not all bad. They're just lost. And so that was a very weird feeling for me. I did not expect that. I did not expect to feel that over emotional kind of tie to protect the mother as well. Well, and I think that's the benefit of you live in Georgia, I live in New Jersey, things are done differently in different places. But that's the benefit of I think both moms meeting 
in New Jersey, there's a lot more disconnect. And so I have to work really hard to create connection. It's not something that the state implements in any way, and we don't transport to visits or anything like that. Um, and so I think it can have this, like, this child is in my home because they're not safe with you, and I need to protect them from you. And it can create this divide of me versus them um, that I think that And I just, think that's how I thought, too. Right. Yeah, and just meeting the mother and see you're putting faces with a name right just like you said I think you wrote a blog piece I don't remember how long ago but it was like you know you could it's easy to walk away from all these children that you don't know anything about you're not putting faces with names or stories or anything but then you think about it like you know your your neighborhood child what if that child was in foster care like that makes it a little bit different and you think about biological parents and you think about all the crazy things that they could do that would land their children into state custody but then you put that face to that story and you see them and you see how upset they are after a visit and, and how, you know, you could tell, you can just, you can tell with some people. And it just was a really, really strong emotion that I was not, I was not prepared to feel. Yeah. Yeah. I, it took me a while to get there. I wasn't there automatically. I always say when we talk about biological parents with foster families, especially new ones, wherever you are on the spectrum in how you feel towards biological parents, I have been there. Either the hating, how could you, to the crying, my heart just breaks for you and I love you and I wish you could come into my home and I could be your mom too. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I totally understand wherever anyone may fall, but I think we always need to be pushing more and more towards the families were created by God, meant Mm -hmm. to be together. We want to be a part of their healing and that we're always reorienting our heart that way, even when it's hard. Right. Um, And, you know, I'm glad that you had a mom. It was your first mom that was easy to have compassion on. Sometimes you meet them and honestly, it makes it much worse. Sometimes I've read some stories on Instagram, some other moms that just, I mean, some of them, they wouldn't even allow them to transport the children to a visit because they were afraid of what the biological parents would do or say or act towards the foster parents. And that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, my foster son is going to go home in the next week or two. And I realized that this has been the easiest one for me. Like, oh, I, I'm just not worried about anything. I'm not. And then I realized it's, I, mom, I wasn't able to have any contact with mom and I don't know one member of the family. And so because I tell myself like family should be together and I, I'm only believing the good things and I haven't had a picture of the bad yet. And so sometimes you do meet mom and you, it breaks your heart. Right. It's not always easier. And it's almost like a pleasant surprise too. It's like, whoa, I did not expect to feel that. That's, you know, that's good. So if they go home, I can kind of hold on to that feeling and maybe make it a little bit easier. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that that was sort of an easy one for you. (laughs) So what has been the hardest transition of just becoming a new foster family? I guess I would say the unknown, um, because our home has been back open for about eight days now, and we have not received a call for a So explain yet. that, that your home has been back, o- back open. What do you mean yes. by that? The first foster um, child that we had, he went home, or he went, he went to another placement in the middle of February. So we closed our home for about six weeks just to kind of get back to us, um, 
kind of get back down to the basics and just kind of relax and kind of get back to center, like what my husband would say. So our parameters have changed from taking a baby to four to eight boys only because of our rooming situation, because we have three boys and a sibling group up to two. So before that, it was just kind of babies slash toddlers, but we quickly realized, even though our first place, it was super, super easy and super laid back, that having an 11-year-old and then a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a baby, we were so much more restricted than we would be if we had an older child. So we've decided to kind of steer away from the baby stage for a while and, and go up to school age children so we can kind of keep our busy lifestyle the way that we normally would because my oldest plays baseball, the four-year-old's in t-ball. I mean, you can imagine. Um, so we're excited. We're excited for what that will bring. But also, you know, you can imagine a baby versus a four, five, six-year-old, the traumas are different. They're a whole lot more aware of their surroundings and what is going on and not understanding what's going on and the traumas and being ripped from their home and, and placed into another home. So it's and a the whole effects lot on your children and their interactions. Yes. And yes. So we're excited, but I'm really, really nervous. I'm frankly just kind of scared to death, but it's not steering us away. We're still open. We're still going to say yes whenever the phone call comes in. And at this point, again, I will continue to talk to God so many times a day and just really kind of, you know, hone in on what we're supposed to be doing as a family and where this journey is supposed to take us and all that good stuff. The good thing is it sounds like you have a good understanding of even just mentioning like the visits and all the sort of stuff that comes along. And so you've been I feel like we're prepared. I think I'm freaking my own self out. I think I'm overthinking it, you know? So, and I guess that's almost like a, a defense mechanism that like when they come in, I'm going to be like, oh, this wasn't so bad. There's transition period. You know, I have made it out to be this big when it really is just this big, you know? So I think that's kind of my, maybe my coping mechanism. You say coping mechanism, not defense mechanism. But. Yeah, I told, do you watch This Is Us? I don't. <laughs> What? Oh, come on. All right. Well, then you I was so excited to tell you that because you always say, I don't say that. And I was like, I haven't seen it. Well, okay. I'm going to go with this anyway. On the last okay. episode, they did this like worst case scenario game. And it was so funny. The way they did it was funny. But the, the reality is I live that way in real life. And I'm not a worrier. I don't really naturally worry about things, but I think it's really helpful for me to sort of consider what the worst case could be and then look at it and say, would God's grace be big enough for that? Would, would my family be able to withstand that? Would my marriage be able to withstand and see that, you know what, if this happened and it was this hard, I believe that God is good enough for that. And I believe that we would get through that. And so I think that that's actually a really healthy coping mechanism of (laughs) how bad could it be? And is God good enough for that? Can we get, I'm going to remember that. Yeah. I'm going to remember that. And then you can watch This Is Us and you can see. I need to. I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.fosterthefamilyblog.com slash realmompodcast. There you'll find links to all the resources we talk about, any books or fun things we discuss, recipes, 
that will be the best place for you to get the full Real Mom podcast experience. Okay, so you mentioned before that your foster son was moved to a pre-adoptive home. So that means that you are, quote unquote, just like we are, uh, just a foster family. Correct, correct. We went into this to foster only. We did not go into this with any intentions of adoption. Um, Even though we know to never say never, that's not our goal. Our goal is just to foster. And do you think that that made it, people ask me this all the time. I don't know exactly how to answer because we have adopted from foster care, but do you think that made it easier for you to say goodbye, for you to absolutely uh, care about mom? Yeah, absolutely. And I've actually had people ask me that. And that's exactly what I've told them. I think so, because we know when they walk into our door or, you know, through our, through our door that we're not planning to adopt. Now we know if we get a child and everybody's hitting it off and they become legally free, you know, we'll we'll take that. We'll, We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But as far as a child walking through, we're not automatically thinking, you know, oh, I hope we get to keep him or I hope that we get to adopt him. And then whenever the case does go back to reunification, which is always the goal until it's not, it's okay. We know when they walk in the door that that's their end game. That's our end goal. See, here's my argument though. I think that every foster family should start off exactly where you're saying anyway. So I... I'm not a big fan of the foster to adopt concept. Now I've adopted. We do have that lane mm-hmm. yeah. in, in okay. Georgia. They do have that lane. It's foster only, foster to adopt, or straight adoption. So of course that's different goals and different risk factors. But like you said, when you foster only, you know reunification is always the end goal until it's not. Yeah. So in New Jersey, every even if you personally are fostering with the intent to adopt you're still part of just the straight foster care program and the children who come into your home their goal is still reunification so I think that that what you're saying is true in that it's easier because from day one you think of them that way and but I think that the reality is it would be and should be easier for every foster family, whether your personal intent is to adopt or not, if you start off from day one with that, this child doesn't belong to me, this child, their goal is reunification, I want to be pro-family. I think if we all start there, and I say exactly what you just said, the goal is reunification until it's not. The goal on paper isn't adoption. The goal in everyone else's eyes is an adoption. And so it shouldn't be in ours until it is. And I know that that's like a weird thing to click in your heart, but too many problems, I think, with foster parents who have a heart for adoption starts with day one. Day one, viewing that child as yours instead of having a view for reunification. Right, right. But as you can imagine, and I, I guess I can say this since we're not trying to adopt, but it's like, we can say that, but telling your heart or your mind to, you know, okay, shut it off. Yeah. They walk in the door, like we're not going to be vulnerable and we're going to be stone cold and we're not adopting this child. Right, right, right. I don't think that that's, you know, can actually, that's hard. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. And we, ha- you know, we're just 
a foster family. And yet the last child that was in my home, I was like, oh man, if this kid comes up for adoption, like we are moving forward. He's totally mine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I know what it does to your heart. I think that a lot of foster care though, the battle is in our mind. Absolutely. We have to let our hearts go 100% with every child but the difference is what we do in our mind, how we think, how we imagine and daydream and all that stuff. Absolutely. So your foster son was moved to his pre-adoptive family. And have you heard anything since? Absolutely. Yes. With his case, um, and I always try to throw out the disclaimer that the only reason why he moved is because the case plan kind of changed to possibly adoption, possibly going home family it was just it kind of went into the middle so since we said that we were not an adoptive home they wanted to go ahead and and move him so just because he's at an adoptive home does not technically mean that he is up for adoption that's not how this works um so yes I talk to her all the time she always gives me updates because he's such a squishy little lovable guy that you can't not want to share him in all of his little successes and all of his little smiles and, and all that stuff. So yes, I get updates. Well, and I will say from experience that I do think that is what makes it easier. It's hard when you've loved a child as your own a hundred percent and then they all, they're just gone and you don't right. hear anything and you don't. And so to get, first of all, to get anything from parents, which I, that's another motivation sort of for being that foster parent that's in communication with parents is that they tend to be, right back at you. But the one child that I moved to an adoptive home was one of my best friends. And so I still see him and I babysit him and I'm going to his adoption next week. And that is a whole other level of happiness. Right, right. And I think that's what made that transition a whole lot easier is because for now, I can have updates. For now, this is, I get to see him grow up which is really cool because when you put six months into another human and they move on, it's hard. Yeah. So I think that's what make this whole transition a whole lot easier. Yeah. I love that. That's really a gift to be able to continue to just celebrate and see how he's doing. And that's awesome. All right. So let's talk about you. I know you're excited to share your answers. (laughs) They're really not that great. They're probably not going to be good now that I've already said all that. (laughs) All right. We're talking about what you're doing, eating, reading, watching, and listening to. So what are you doing? Oh, what I'm doing. Okay. So since we've been taking our break for the last, you know, six weeks or so, we've been doing a lot of baseball. Like I said, being a boy mom, we're doing little league and t-ball and travel ball. So between that and just preparing for our next placement, that's pretty much it. Everything else is just being as lazy as possible, (laughs) trying to rest and relax and going to the grocery store and meal planning and because I love food. So that's always kind of on the radar. So that's kind of what I'm doing. (laughs) So my husband is English. He was born in, well, actually he was born in Hong Kong, but he grew up in England And so we're not a baseball family. We are that with soccer because, or football. Yeah. (laughs) Because soccer is the rest of the world's baseball. But yeah, our kids are in soccer all the time and he coaches and. But isn't that so fun? 
Yeah. You know what, what you were talking about before with the different ages that resonated with me, because to be honest, it's not fun for me because if I show up at soccer, I'm showing up with, well, now it's but yeah. So I would, I would be pushing the double stroller and wearing a baby and sweating and everyone's crying and I'm, it wasn't fun. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to tell you anybody that knows me in real life that just heard you say that are going to laugh so hard because that's me. Yeah. I'm the one pushing the double stroller, probably have a baby in a Tula on my back, sweating because I'm already stressed out about having to pack everything to get here. Yeah. It's still so fun to watch the kids play and just the whole experience is just what not to do and what to do. And I know everybody's on the sidelines looking at me thinking I'm that crazy kid lady or something. Well, they look at me like I'm the crazy kid lady and I'm so, I'm not athletic, but I'm very competitive. So my daughter will be like, I don't like when mom comes to watch because she yells at me the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) My 11 year old told me that the other day he was catching and I kept yelling at him, telling him, you know, not to get over emotional. And he's like, mom, will you please stop talking to me while I'm playing? And I'm like, okay, sorry. So I had to kind of step back for a minute. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Okay. So what are you eating? You said you love everything. Food. Oh yay! Everything. You said Nutella and beer. My thing is pizza and beer. Okay. That is. <laughs> we eat everything. So pizza in Georgia, like we live in like the epicenter of pizza. What is pizza in Georgia? I'm cheap, and we get a little Caesars. So okay. <laughs> like yeah. little Caesars, because um, it's cheap and it's hot and it's ready. Okay. So that's like, no offense, Little Caesars. That's like ketchup tomato sauce. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Probably with lots of sugar. That's funny. Okay, yeah, there's a couple things that we do right around here because we're South Jersey is Philly. North Jersey is New York. We do pizza. We do soft pretzels. There's a couple things we do right around here. Y'all do clam chowder or is that Maine? No, no, no. That's that's up northern. We're cheesesteaks, but I'm... I'm vegan. So cheesesteaks aren't my thing, but oh, yeah, I mean, Philly have the best cheesesteaks anyway. Oh, that sounds delicious. But soft pretzels, just like pure carbs. That's more of my style. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm right there with you. I am so right there with you. Okay. So what kind of beer drinker are you? Um, I'm, I'm simple. I don't like the funky beers. What do okay. they call them? Imported. Um, yeah, they're like craft. I'm a big craft beer. Yes. Yes. We're more domestic. Okay. Your, you know, Bud Lights, your Coors Lights, your Miller Lights. Yeah. Okay. My husband will get kind of funky with it. I can't handle all that stuff. I'm like, just give me some water and some coffee if you're going to be all crazy with your order. <laughs> That's funny. All right. What are you reading? Are you a reader? I am. I am. I do love to read. I have not read a lot recently just because, you know, kids. Um, but I actually have picked up the Connected Child book mm-hmm. because I really feel like that's going to help me in our next step, um, the next journey that we do. But I am usually a really big like romance person. Like I love reading the really the heart wrenching romance novels that just really kind of get to you. Please don't ask me to give you names because you will laugh at me. <laughs> those are the ones that I like. Okay, so don't judge me. Okay. All right. What about like Nicholas Sparks? Like a yeah. walk to like, no. So you, you mean like super cheesy? Yeah, right? kind of. Okay. I really don't know if there's any particular author that I like. I just go on either Goodreads or like, I have a nook 
you know, the old, the old school nook, yeah, the Barnes yeah. and Noble nook. That's what I have. So that's usually what I'll go on like their library or shop and just pick out the cheesy dollar <laughs> ninety nine. <laughs> anything that'll take me away from my normal surroundings for just yeah. a couple of hours and then I'm good yeah well I'll I'll definitely link to the connected child then. <laughs> maybe not just the broad category of <laughs> cheesy romance novels but you know what if you love cheesy romance and you want to like step it up a notch you should read the notebook that is just like I love that movie but I've never read the book okay, read it it'll okay. it'll be like a step out of the cheesiness but still enough of your flavor of right the heart-wrenching romance kind of thing right because I mean it's kind of cheesy almost borderline trashy is what I, yeah. <laughs> I like to fall in the cheesy trashy category oh <laughs> okay. lord I'm nothing if, if not honest <laughs> well the notebook will be like a gentle step into into the connected more, child yeah <laughs> it'll be like the ease between the two I love okay. it what are you watching? I already know you're not a This Is Us person. I'm not, and I should. We don't have cable right now. We've kind of stepped away just like everybody else has, um, and we don't really do Hulu. We're more Netflix, so I really need to get him to to pull that up, like, on our jailbroken Amazon Fire Stick. Should I say that? <laughs> jailbroken. <laughs> but anyways. Well, you I just actually, said it, so. You I know, I've already said it. it. Um, I actually just got finished watching the Gilmore Girls, and okay. I was Oh, oh my gosh. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And when I watched the last episode, I was like, what? That's it? It just ended so abruptly. Well, it wasn't supposed to end. That's the thing about Gilmore Girls is... Okay. Well, that makes sense. So hold on. Did you watch the four seasons, the the reboot of it? I did not. I have not oh, watched that one yet. I have not been yeah. able to sit down and watch that. Is that good? Should I? Well, here's the thing. All right. So I watched the Gilmore Girls. I'm not like my, my sister-in-law, who's my best friend, is a she could tell you every word, every, you know, I, I love the dynamic between the two, the yes. mother and daughter. Mm-hmm. And I love their fast talking. They like reference literature and culture right. all the time. And they're just so funny and they love coffee. And I feel like I love that. I love the characters, but I'm not a huge fan girl. Well, my sister-in-law and actually my mom and my brother were huge fans. And so they, imagine how you felt when that episode was done 10 years ago. And then oh, I can imagine. Like, okay, my favorite show just finished and there was no closure. Then they waited 10 years and then Netflix did this reboot. So for but them- I heard, But I heard with that, it stops too. Well, it does, but it- at least it sort of shows you where they've been and what's happened and some okay. of the relationships. So like every major male character comes back and it kind of shows you how things have evolved, but yeah, it does, okay. it does drop you on another sort of cliff, but okay. it's, it's really sweet. So we, as a family, it was like, you know, my, my brother's like 24 or something and my 60 year old dad we all, we put the kids to bed at like seven and watched the whole thing, like the night it came out until two in the morning. And that's awesome. I think that's the reason why I didn't watch it is because I heard that it almost kind of ended the same. And I was like, okay, I emotionally cannot take that again (laughs) so soon. I'm like, I think I'm just gonna have to take a break. Like let this, like they call book hangover, like this TV show hangover kind of run its course and then I'll watch it again. So I just haven't made it there again. All right. Well, you need to get there. It's, it's good. It's worth it. Okay. So what are you listening to? listening to um I would have to say podcast um okay 
we, I drive, but not a lot, but that's when I listen to the podcast. So of course, like I've listened to all of yours. Um, my husband's big into the Joe Rogan experience and he's got some pretty cool people on there that he interviews. So I've listened to a few of those, um, the Harshi podcast with January Harshi. She's the one that does uh, birth without fear and, um, parenting without fear, I think. And then, and I heard you a couple podcasts ago, um, Dave Ramsey, okay. we're trying to do the whole Dave Ramsey thing. Um, so we've listened to his, his are pretty expi- inspiring as well. So I guess that's really kind of all I'm listening to that and probably like Daniel, the tiger on re- <laughs> in the back when I'm, you know, washing dishes or something, but that's about it. So you're not a big music person. I'm not, I'm really not. I like the whole oldies and that's about it. Okay. And I feel like with your strong Southern twang, we might not agree on music taste either. (laughs) I'm not country. You're not? Okay. No, I'm not. I'm not. I like the old country, like maybe the eighties and stuff, you know, but as far as like the new age stuff, I don't, I I don't know. I can tell you what Luke Bryan sings. Is that saying yeah. Luke Bryan? I, yeah. I think it is. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't, I, know what, I don't know what yeah, he's okay. All right, so tell everyone where they can find you. We connected on Instagram a while ago. What's your handle there? That is my main platform, um, and it is actually the underscore, underscore Begs Bunch. Um, the Begs Bunch with the underscore in there. And that's kind of my main platform. All right. Well, this was a good conversation. It was really great. I haven't talked to anyone yet who's new at this. And it's good to have that sort of intro of how great and hard and why you get involved. And that's a good reminder for those of us who have been at it for a while. And I think it's going to be helpful to people who are new to it or who are considering it. So this was great. Thanks for sharing with us. Thanks for being a part of this. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. You can follow us online, www.fosterthefamilyblog.com slash realmompodcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash realmompodcast or on Instagram at at realmompodcast. Thanks for listening.